Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. (laughs) Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. Mr. Barker this show says so. is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Well, thank you, Mr. Barker. I appreciate that. Sorry to all of you. We had a technical difficulty yet again. It seems to me that uh, the enemy does not want us to be on the air. There was 12,433 of you listening live last week, and we're just so thankful that you're listening this week. Uh, We had, actually, it appeared as though my computer fried uh, right before, so we're not powering. So I'm going to try to move quickly before... um, before the, the computer dies, although it looks like it's charging now. So magic. I scared the devil. All of y'all that started praying all of a sudden, he's scared now. He's on, he's on the ropes. So oddly enough, it's charging. It's a weird situation, isn't it? We experience this every week. One thing or another we have trouble with, and we just can't figure it out. But that's okay. We don't need to figure everything out. So uh, anyhow, so here we are, and we're going to welcome you, uh, listeners joining us all across the country, through the miracle of the Internet's radio. You missed a great meal. I can tell you I'm looking at the table now. Uh, I'm just going to say, starting from me, working, this is a long table. What is this, like 35 feet long? I kid you not. It's amazing. Uh, We've got two amazing, well, we've got brownies, of course. Why would you do anything without brownies? Uh, We've got two amazing pizzas. We've got cupcakes of every style ice cream, which I think makes everything better. We've got cobbler, fresh made. We've got... Fried chicken, we've got a bunch of different kinds of meat. I'm a meatitarian, that's what I'm into. By the way, if you hear any crying, that's my little great niece, Lillian May. They're in from Texas. Uh, thank you to all of you who have uh, sent us uh, condolences on the loss of my brother Dean, 52 years old. It's their dad. Um, and uh, so all of my nieces uh, and my nephews are in. And so. A sad, a sad reason to be in, but we're just so thankful to have them and glad that they got here safely. Listen, um, come here. We're in Newark, Delaware, and you're invited from usually from 5 to 5.30. Today we did it earlier uh, to have some more fellowship and some music from Steve and some great singing. Uh, but you're invited here to join us, and, and at the end of this announcement, I'll, you'll know where to go. Uh, we're blazing a trail of old and new styles of study and worship of Adonai Elohim and his son Yeshua Hamashiach. We are decidedly 
politically incorrect, and we cut it straight, and we go straight to the point. We are decidedly and unmistakably pro-Israel, and we make no apology for being pro-Israel, and we make no apology for being pro-America. I am the Black Robe Regiment. You might notice that to the extent possible, we use the appropriate and accurate Hebrew words for the characters and places in Scripture. I'm not pretending to be a Jew, though I'd be proud to be Jewish, although we have some Messianic Jews here with us. Remember, these are predominantly Hebrew people in the Bible, teaching us through their shared struggle and experiences of faith. The Hebrew people are the origin of our faith. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Now, you see, the English spelling of Yeshua is Joshua. However, when translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Iesus. Iesus. The English spelling for Iesus is Jesus. And there you have the game of telephone spanning over 2,000 years. Uh, I figure I'll cut to the middleman and cut out the thousands of years and just call him by his original and actual name, Yeshua. Listen, while you have a chance, uh, follow and subscribe and sign up on God and Country Radio. It's uh, www.facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Did I get it right, Sean? All right, awesome. He's he's here. The guy who built all that, does all that. He's here, and we thank him for that. Um, so that's there. You click on sign up, and that will take you. You'll be able to get all of our messages for free. We don't charge for anything. Um, and you'll also get notifications about our next shows and, and all of that. Our show, uh, remember our show on Monday. Uh, tomorrow we have two shows, one on something called toginet.com at 4 o'clock, 4 to 5, and then uh, another one at uh, 5.30 to 6.30 on uh, Blog Talk Radio right here at this channel. So if you subscribe, you're going to get all that free of charge, no cost or obligation to you, free set of Ginsu knives if you subscribe the next nanosecond. Good luck to all of you. So let me, uh, let me say this. Um, how much do you really know about the Bible? It's, a, it's an interesting question because if you do a poll, you travel around the country, you ever see this guy, Jesse Waters, he's a friend of mine, of Waters World on, uh, on Fox News, uh, Bill O'Reilly. He is the funniest guy, but he's also brilliant. What, what you'll never hear him talk about is genius IQ. He's absolutely blazingly intelligent. And it's funny because he'll travel around and do this thing for Bill O'Reilly. He was originally a producer for Bill O'Reilly called Waters World. You know, Jesse's a Philly boy. So Waters World, he travels around to universities, many times Yale and Harvard and Columbia and American and all these vaunted uh, institutions of higher learning. And he'll ask the most simple questions that anybody should know, uh, especially students who are attending some of the most uh, prestigious universities in the world, but they don't know. Simple questions they don't know. Um, I guess that question really would apply to the Bible, except, you know, we have to admit that the Bible is an extraordinarily complex uh, aggregation or library of 66 books. Uh, it's fascinating speech um, about do you really believe in the divine inspiration of the Bible. And it's a speech I don't need, even despite the crash, for whatever reason, I remember it all. Uh, and I love to do it, although I can hardly get through it without crying. And in that speech, I talk about the power of Scripture, the Holy Word, the blood that fell onto the pages of Scripture. People died 
so that we could hold the Bible in our hands. That is amazing. That's an honor beyond all honors. And so for me, I always ask myself with, I guess, what, 11 years of of education, I ask myself, you know, what do I really know about the Bible? I've been studying all these years, but what do I really know? And you know what? Every day I learn something new. And it doesn't always take a reverend doctor to teach you something about the Bible, because most often the powerful experiences, the powerful learning, all of those things, I don't get from reverend doctors. I get from regular people. Just regular people who hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God. People who hunger and thirst after the knowledge of the Scriptures. You don't have to have all your stuff together in order to enjoy and love the Word, the Scripture. You don't. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to have just the right haircut, just the right words to say, just the right anything. You can be a biker. You can be an ex-company. You can be a military member. You can be uh, a trainer. You can be any number of things. A putz like me. You could be that, and you could learn all of these things. The fact of the matter is, is it's important for us to know. In this group here where I'm speaking, again, my favorite group, I talk about this group all the time, and I even said before we went live, uh, I talk about very frequently why I love this group. And the reason I love them is because they're family. Uh, They love on me. Uh, and my family, like better than family, normally does. And that's just an amazing gift. Wonderful thing. So, again, I encourage you to come. We'll feed you. You'll be welcomed. You'll be comfortable. There's plenty of space here for you. Uh, we can fit, what, uh, Mr. Stabley, 100 people in this room? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. I'm glad to do it. So how much do we really know about the Apostle, the Apostle Paul? Now, I'm going to use, I'm going to interchange some things here, because, and and you'll understand why in just a minute. Um, but really, Paul's name is Shaul. And for whatever reason, I guess that sounded a lot like Paul. So we said, well, let's make that feller over there, that Shaul. Nobody know who he is. What's his name? And Paul. Your name is Paul. And Kepha, your name is Peter. Because you were a rock. You know, I mean, we just made up stuff. Matityehu. Um, Matityehu. Anybody know who that who that is? Matthew. Yochanan. I was Luke. You know, I'm saying you guys are amazing. You speak Hebrew. You're awesome. So the Corinthians, like us, um, I asked the question, how many, what do we really know about the emissary? Really, the proper word is emissary of Yeshua, the, the emissary, Paul, Shaul. The Corinthians were like us, more like us than we think. I said last week, and I said the week before, um, they were all jacked up, folks. They were all jacked up thinking that they knew the best way to do this church thing. They got full of themselves. We do, too. We do, too. We think we got it figured out. Uh, I will tell you this. This kehla, this gathering, by the way, hi to Brian, who apparently is driving here. Uh, Apparently, he just logged in. Um, Looks like that. Looks like his number logged in. Um, And we have a call pending, too. I'm that's you? Okay, good, 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 good. Awesome. We got Sean is monitoring our sound because we had so many problems last week, but I'm a putz when it comes to a lot of things, one of which is technology. I'm just I'm terrible at it. So I asked the question, how much do you really know about the Apostle Paul or the emissary Shaul? The Corinthians were like us. They're all jacked up. We're jacked up. We've got to admit it. The closest thing to law or the followers of the way that I've ever experienced is this gathering right here. These people, this body. 
I wrote a book called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And you know, most pastors don't get past the title. They, they read that title and then they hand the book back to me, even if I'm going to give the book to them. We had an evangelist, uh, a famous evangelist. We were in Ocala, Florida, and, and uh, we, were, we were having us some dinner. And a famous evangelist, uh, he uh, sat down and I thought, oh, my lands, there's a famous evangelist right there. I'm going to give him a copy of my book. And uh, you know what? He wasn't having it. He said, he read the title and he kind of threw it back and said, I don't need to read. The church isn't dead. I said, you probably should read the first page because the first page, maybe the front flap or the back flap, might tell you that you're the reason I wrote this book. And the fact of the matter is, is people believe that they've got the market cornered on doing church. Corinthians were no different. They were uh, a blend of Gentiles, otherwise not Jews, and the Jews who were Torah observant. Wes, can I get an amen? They were Torah observant. Nothing changed for them except for they believed that Yeshua Hamashiach was the prophesied son of the living God, lived a perfect life, 33 years here on the earth, was unjustly prosecuted, illegally prosecuted, went willingly to be tortured to the point of death, hung on a cross for you and I, went to a a borrowed grave. Can you imagine the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You know why he borrowed that grave? He borrowed that grave. There wasn't no sense in buying one, no sense in making payments because he wasn't only going to be there but three days. You know? So he left before any payments needed to be made. No rent payment was due because he was only there for a time. And so he raised for us. He did all that for us. But you know what? We get a little happy in the church, and we think, hmm, this is working pretty good. Let's try this. Then let's do this, and then let's do that. And then before long, church becomes some crazy thing. Um, It becomes uh, one of the attenders here is a patriot rider, and, and, and he goes to this thing called the biker church, which is really cool. Um, it's, it's, it's attending to a very specific group, but anybody can go. You wear what you wear. Uh, you might have long hair. Of course, you know, Radio Land, they don't know how long and beautiful my hair is. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to brag, but you can pull up the picture on the internet if you want, just to see if you sign up, you'll get a picture of me on your computer. So it'll be worth it or not. It may break your computer. Because the I may have technical difficulties because my picture is on this computer. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm honest. I need help. Uh, so we're silly to think that we know the way to do church. We're silly. We're just full of ourselves and silly. But the difference is, is the church in Corinth, they had, by the way, Jerry, we're praying for you. I bet he's listening. Uh, we're praying for you. We miss you. We can't wait to, for you to come back and be with us. Don't do what the doctor says you're not supposed to do. I know that you will try it. Uh, buddy. He didn't get that awesome by obeying the doctors. You know what I'm saying? He didn't. Rule breaker is the one that makes history. So the thing about Shaul, the emissary, or the apostle Paul, the emissary Shaul, the thing about that is, is, he brought something powerful to this congregation. But, you know, they didn't necessarily like it. You know, somebody writes a book called Excellence Killed the Church and then follows it up with the second part of the title, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. What am I saying in that title alone? I'm not saying I'm an expert on the church by any stretch. 
I am a little bit. I kind of went to school for something. Might as well be that. But the fact of the matter is, is how mediocrity in America following excellence killed the church. That leads one to believe maybe the church has followed a pattern of air quotes excellence that just simply isn't excellent. It's not what we were intended to do. It's not what we were intended to be. Ultimately, ultimately, this we know, mediocrity has invaded the church, air quotes, the church in the United States of America. And I mean that I am the Black Robe Regiment. Um, I believe to say this for all to hear, the reason, the primary reason the United States of America is in the place that it's in today is because preachers abdicated their responsibility. They, they stopped being the Black Robe Regiment in favor of pleasing, tickling the ears, the Bible says, everybody in the audience, everybody in the congregation, everybody in the sanctuary. We want to leave feeling good about everything. They, they, they stopped saying the truth of the gospel for fear of offense. And then they became fearful of offending the IRS. I call it hashtag IRMS. The fact of the matter is, is IRS has invaded the churches all across the country. Let me tell you what. If a preacher, if you're going to a church where the preacher is afraid to preach the whole gospel. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Thank you, uh, Dr. Frazier, for drilling that into my head. Uh, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Funny quick thing, Dr. Frazier one time driving down the road. My family's in the car. I'm on the phone with him. You know, he's counseling me because he's telling me, you're taking too long. You don't have to get straight A's. You're not going to get 100% in my class no matter what you do. Of course, you know what that did to me. I then became possessed and obsessed with getting 100 in his class, which I did not do. Uh, he was telling the truth, and I was silly. But that's why he was the professor and I was the student. But So he said something about, uh, are you driving down the road? And I said, yes. He said, look in the mirror. What do you see? And I looked in the mirror. Now, he's in Indiana, and I was on the road somewhere. I don't even know where I was. And he said, do you see the word idiot? <laughs> you know, I fell foot hook, line, and sinker. So I clearly don't know what the deal is. Anyway, Shaul, he he was fearless, folks. He was fearless. There was no point to that than to demonstrate I am completely a putt sometimes. Anyway, the the point is this. Shaul, or the emissary Paul, we'll, we'll get you there, the apostle Paul, he was directly engaged with this congregation. He wanted them to be the best that they could be. Now, I'm not Joel Osteen. No offense, Joel. Um, hope the brother doesn't sue me because you know he's got mountains of money. But it isn't all about how good you feel. Uh, uh, what is the word he loves to use? Favor. Favor, 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 favor. Favor is a biblical thing. Abundance is a biblical thing. But that brother has taken it so far out of context. It's just wildly so. Sometimes, like in the case of Shaul, we are called to suffering. We are called to suffering, the refining fire of suffering. So we're not always called. There's people in this room who are fighting cancer. There's people in this room who have fought cancer three or four times. There's people in this room who have had strokes. There's people in this room who have lost jobs. There's people in this room who have lost friends because of the stands that they take. There's people in here that go to a public school and teach and, and have to deal with uh, just oppressive rules. 
I think that's sad in a way. And you know why nobody's afraid of the church anymore? Nobody's afraid of the church? Because the church is afraid of everybody else. We live in fear. We walk in fear. We study in fear. We pray in fear. We pray like somebody. Now, in this, this kehala, we don't pray like that. And we don't live like that. We don't worship like that. We, don't, we certainly don't eat like. We're worried that somebody's going to come up in here and tell us we're doing something we aren't allowed to do from the government. That's just not going to happen. Plus, this is a Second Amendment loving group, and uh, I don't know who would get, get the draw, get it down, you know, draw down first. I'm, I don't think I'd be the first one, but I know that I wouldn't be the last one. That's for sure. So Shaul didn't, when he's dealing with this, this church in Corinth, he didn't hold his tongue. Now, was he rude? Was he being? How many of you read First and Second Corinthians? Was he being rude? We just finished First Corinthians. Did he sound rude to you? Did he sound direct? Oh, yeah. Brother knew how to get direct quick. He knew how to, here's another Dr. Fraserism, cut it straight. He knew how to cut it straight, and he talks about this. And in 2 Corinthians, which we're going to kind of dive into tonight, in 2 Corinthians, he really cut it straight. Because there were some folks mad because their feelings got hurt. Hey, you said you were coming. You didn't come. Your promise. Um, their feelings got hurt about a lot of things. We're going to go into that. Some of the stuff was really, truly jacked up stuff. But Shaul did not hold his tongue, and he didn't still his pen. You know, Shakespeare said uh, that he, his pen, he couldn't still his pen. In other words, he couldn't stop writing. Uh, he couldn't stop writing of his pen. And Shaul couldn't either. He was, he was in it to win it. He said, These, you people matter to me too much to give up on you. And that's pretty powerful. Have you ever had a pastor call him kind of the, or, or the evangelist that says, look, I'm going to come through town, and I'm going to blow it all up. I'm going to blow up your phones before I get there. Now, they didn't have phones back then. I'm just saying. I know that they didn't have phones. They probably had texting, but it was like on a uh, stone. Hold on. Hold on. Chip away. Chip away. And it was always, that's where LOL got started, because you're not going to away laughing out loud on a stone. It's just not going to happen. It loses its power by the time it gets done. But, you know, he was, he was fully engaged. He was absolutely, totally, and fully engaged. And he would not give up on this group. Why? Because he loved them. But he was hard on them, too. And who do we know that was like that and is like that in our lives? God. Yeshua. The Holy Spirit. The Ruach HaKodesh. He, he, he is hard on us sometimes. People say, well, I don't feel Jesus in the place tonight. I don't feel Jesus. And then a lot of times if they want a big offering, those, the, the evangelist that's blowing through town will step up to the step up to the podium and he'll spin around and he'll bounce around on his $800 shoes and he'll hold his hands up. And, I feel Jesus in the house tonight. The spirit is in the house tonight. Yeah. And they, you know what he's doing? The spirit is picking your pocket. The fact of the matter is, is that's not leadership. But Shaul, the emissary Shaul, he was showing real leadership sometimes. All of us are called to be leaders. We're called to be excellent what first? Before we come and become an excellent leader, we have to be an excellent follower. You know, before you can be an excellent chief, you have to be an excellent Indian. In order to be a Marine, you have to be an excellent Marine. Just the bottom line is you have to start at the bottom and work your way up. And that's kind of how it is. But the problem is in America's church, there is this uh, attitude of piety. I don't want to say uh, maybe false piety. 
that's way up here. I'm holding my hand for the radio pe- radio people all the time. Send me messages. You know we can't see you, right? You understand how you understand how radio? Did they teach you in 11 years of school that radio is what you hear, not what you see? So I'm holding my hand way up here, and I'm saying to you, um, there's no elevation. I'm as jacked up, if not more, than the worst jacked up person you ever met in your life. And so was Shaul. And would tell you, he would tell you that I'm in this struggle with you. We're going to learn about that. He was the chief of sinners. Thank you, Susan. Susan. Uh, Let me ask you this. Were the Corinthians, you've read it by now, were the Corinthians willing to be led? Yeah, sure, they were willing to be led. They they just needed help. They needed somebody to say, all right, little kids, come on, we'll be all right. Right? They needed help. They needed help. Are the Corinthians willing to be led by Shaul? By Paul, the emissary, the apostle Paul. Are they willing to be led by him, do you feel? After reading it, yeah, some of them were. Some of them really pushed back. Do we see that in churches? Uh, church, uh, I told you the story about a, a church not far from here that got a, somebody died and left a large to the church, but left it in her trust how to specifically spend each of those dollars. She had an idea in mind. She put it in writing. She made it legal. And folks fought that tooth and nail. They didn't understand the law. They didn't understand how it works. said, if you don't do it as I say, it won't be given. So folks in the church were like, well, you know we need more. We need, we need to redo our pew. We just need new pews. Nobody wants to sit in these nasty pews. This carpet is, we should be embarrassed. This carpet is terrible. We need to paint and need new lights in here. We don't need a new piano and carillon bells and all kind of things. Who listens to bells anyway? They're annoying, you know? You know, ringing ding, it's Christmas time. I know it's Christmas. I have a calendar. You know, these people were really fussing over it. They were fussing over it. They were mad. So so they almost lost the power. And, and here's the thing. The piano that was installed specifically named because they always had this kind of chintzy piano. It sounded tinny. It was not, no matter how many times you tune it, it wasn't just right. And, boy, they had some people that could play the piano up in this church. And we gave them these instruments. And let me tell you what, this piano was a serious instrument. And I'll tell you what, people that love to sing, the first time that dear lady, I won't say her name or will give away where the church is, the first time that dear lady sat down to play the piano, tears flowed from her. She said, what an honor it is. I never thought I'd get to play a $150,000 piano. In my life, I've never seen such a nice instrument. I've been playing the piano for 35 years. I never thought I'd even touch one. And here I am playing one. Praise God. And then you looked around the audience, and there were tears. Even the naysayers, the people talking about, you know, this place needs paint more than needs a piano. Our piano was fine anyway. You know? Then all of a sudden, through that instrument, the beautiful tones, the sound came through what they never heard before, and it filled their soul. And many of them, their eyes filled up to overflowing, and they, and they were humbled. They were humbled. You know, we think we know how to do church right. The Corinthians thought they knew how to do church right. But ultimately, the question becomes, I asked you already, were the Corinthian church, were they willing to be led? Were they willing to be led by Shaul? And then the question is, are we, not not you and then I'm the leader, we, all of us collectively, are we willing to be led? What do you think, what do you think the, uh, the answer to that is? Are we willing to be led? You know we answer that kind of quickly. 
Oh yes, yes, of course I'm willing to be led. Mm-hmm. You know I'm willing to be led. I'm 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 humble. I'm humble. If, if if there's ever a trait I have a lot of, it's humility. I am humble up in here. Ain't nobody more humble than me. A humble line. I'm up to the front. And everybody else get out of line. They're like, mm-mm. He got all of it. Humility. I got it. You know. And and but here's the crazy thing about that is here we are all humble. We're dressed normal up in this church. Sometimes you know I, I get letters. I don't get letters. That's a lie. I get emails from people, and they talk about, do you really wear shorts to preach in? Yes. Summertime, we throw the windows open. We listen to the birds. Sometimes we have deer all up in the backyard. You know I'm praying and Darren in the back talking about where my bow is. You know, let me just shoot that one because that's meaty. <laughs> He's old and needs to be cold. Um but, you know, and I always know when the deer are out there because nobody's listening anymore. <laughs> they're, all, they're all going, seeing steaks run across, venison steaks run across the yard. And, uh, but, you know, it's fun up in here. We have a good time, and, but, but we study and we dig into the Word, and we mean business. We mean business about what we do. Um, and I think I have to say there's been a lot said over the years about the Corinthian church, but you've got to think. Let's let's be fair to them. Shouldn't we be fair to them? You went from uh, the Jews who had you know followed Torah, which they still did. Nothing changed. The Jews that believed in Jesus, they didn't change anything. Did y'all hear me? They didn't change anything. They, they didn't stop being Torah observant. They didn't stop observing the high holy days. They didn't you know Sukkot and all of the all of the the feasts and the festivals. They still did all that. Who did away with it? Somebody tell me who did away with it. Gentiles. We said we could do it better than them. We don't need to do all this. And then we started, because what didn't they have at the time? They didn't have the Bible that we have in our hands right now. And folks didn't roll up in there on their Harley with scrolls. You know, not everybody had the scrolls. I'm just saying. It wasn't like that. So we look back and we think that they had everything we had, that we have. We have Bibles in every translation you can think of. I think I read the other day the Bible's the most translated book, literary work in the world, in history of the world. It's the most translated book. Why? Because we make it easy for people to read in their own tongue. You know where the Bible is read more in the world? Anywhere else in the world. You'll be shocked to hear it. Nope. Korea. The largest church in the world is Korea. The fastest growing church in the world is in Korea because they hunger for the word, man. They know what it's like to be starved, literally. They know what it's like to be just drained of all opportunity for hope. And they know when they read the word, they see the hope of Christ, the hope of Christ. I'm going to do a funeral tomorrow for my brother, 52 years old, and I know what his hope was. The, the folks in the, this Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, they knew what their hope was as far as uh, prophecy and all those things, but they weren't quite clear. Can you imagine? You travel with Yeshua for three years. The, the uh, disciples travel with this guy for three years who kind of showed up out of nowhere. You know, he was just a regular dude born to a regular family. And all of a sudden, you know, he starts doing amazing things. And then the murmuring the, the buzz goes around. This dude, there was a guy that was blind, straight up blind. Not like couldn't see well, needed to wear his glasses or contacts. I don't think they wore them then. Uh, 
but he was straight up blind that couldn't see. And he put mud, he spit in dirt and put mud on his eyes, and he was healed and he could see. And you know what? He jumped up and ran out of there like he was running to life, not running from life. And he was praising this man, truly you're the Messiah. You heard about the the uh, the jailer, right? The jailer whose daughter was dying or was dead. And he healed him. He healed that daughter. There's one of many. You heard about Lazarus. Did Jesus care? Did Jesus care? He cried. He cried. Shortest verse in the Bible, favorite one for everybody to memorize, Jesus wept. He was weeping over his friend Lazarus, but he was also weeping over, you folks just don't understand, because you know he just got yelled at. If you'd have come here, he would have been healed. Your brother Lazarus would have been healed. He'd been all right. But you waited, and he died. Now, I'd have classed it up. I'd have fancied it up a little bit. I'd have, I'd have snazzied it up. That's why God didn't give me the power to heal, because I'd been like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, I know you're mad. Just chill a minute. Take a breath, because watch what I'm about to do. You ready? you got to look now, because there's going to be a dead man walking out of there. Not dead. He was dead, but now he's alive, even though I know surely he stinketh, the King James Version says. He's been in there a long time, Lord. He smells by now. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make him live, but I'm not going to handle the smell. I'm going to bring him back from death, but he's still going to stink. You know? Come on. We're like that performs a miracle in our life, and we do everything we can to make it not a miracle. It's not a miracle. God didn't just move in our life. No, it was a logistical change. It was this, it was that, it was the other thing. And sometimes, guess what else we do? We were just talking about this. Um, Sometimes stuff happens. It just happens. And we're so hungry and desperate to prove that God still does miracles today that we call something a miracle. That's just the kindness and the friendliness of a neighbor. Or we're whining and moaning, oh, I need, Lord, I need a coat. And then we say it loud, don't we? We say it loud, Lord, I need me a fine pair of shoes. And then the shoes show up on, uh, by the way, these brownies are not for y'all. Just don't trip. I saw you looking at them. Just back it down. Back it down. Those are special for me. I mean, technically for the thing tomorrow, but that's a long ride. Anyway, I'm just saying, let's be honest. They're brownies, and they're awesome. So, you know, I'm just saying to you, I guess what I what I really, the point I want to get across, because I guess at some point I start reading this scripture, I want to get you to understand that sometimes we're so hungry for the evidence that the world will accept of the power and glory of God that we manufacture stuff, we make stuff up, or we point to something, oh, that baby's crying, isn't that a miracle? Come on. Come on, oh, I need a new clo- I need a new coat. I'm size 54, extra tall, you know. And then the next morning there's a coat laying there. The generosity of people that give. Does God move their heart to be generous? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But there's a lot, of, and that is talked about in 2 Corinthians, y'all. You probably didn't know this. He was talking about coats and all that stuff. He wasn't. He was talking about stuff and claiming miracles and trickery to get people to do what you want them to do. Folks have been manipulated centuries, for centuries. And so many people have used, air quotes, 
religion to do it. We don't need to do that. You know why we don't need to do that? Because we don't serve a or an amazing God. We serve the amazing God. We don't serve a God who can do miracles. We serve the God who can do miracles. We don't serve a God who can raise people from the death or spare a person's life in the back. We, ra- we worship the one God who can and will and does do that. We worship a God that can take somebody out of a prison and the fellow in the back over in the left and, and that fella can take somebody out of prison and train them, give them a trade, teach them how to build stuff, teach them how to be a man, a good man, and have them be a productive part of society. God, we serve. But he uses us to do it. How? What an honor. What an amazing Isn't that an honor? You ever have somebody walk up to you and, 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 and they just need something special? And they don't come up to you and say, I need something special. Could you deliver to me something special? I need, I need to hear from God. They don't do that. They come up to you and they're hurting. You see a look on their face. Maybe you see welling of tears and you don't know why. And, or a look of hurt, look of sorrow, look of disappointment. They've been let down by somebody in their life. They've been let down by a lot of people in their life. They've been let down. You know why people don't go to church? This is a, I've actually uh, trademarked this term, religious Rottweilers. Most people don't go to church because there's a religious Rottweiler on the porch of the church going, row, 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 row. You can't, you don't have the right clothes. You don't wear the right hair. You don't use the right words. And they say, why am I going to go in there? But have you ever had somebody walk up to you and you felt their intense need for the touch, a touch from God? Sometimes God does use you to deliver that touch, to deliver that word, to deliver that encouragement, to deliver that kindness, to deliver that something that only you can give. That is kind of what he's talking about here. From Shaul, by God's will, an emissary of the Messiah Yeshua and brother Timothy, to God's messianic community in Corinth, along with all God's people through Achaia. Grace to you and shalom from God our Father. By the way, I'm reading. I get all kinds of messages. People want to know, what in the world are you reading? The verses don't match up. It's some other thing. You're talking tongues. Listen, we handled tongues in, in the First Corinthians. I'm not talking tongues. This is some Hebrew words I'm throwing on you. It's the... Complete Jewish Bible. Grace to you and shalom from God our Father, the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Praise to be God, Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, compassionate Father, God of all encouragement and comfort. What? Well, there's some folks in the church. I said I was going to read through a little bit. I got tripped up here. Um, There's some folks in the church that think God is all about laying down the smackdown. That red button, oh, you send, I'm going to give you cancer. I'm going to make your car break down. I'm going to make you, uh, your hair fall out. Obviously, you didn't do that with me, you know, amen? I'm just kidding. There's a whole lot of lost hair up here. <laughs> this is all a facade. <laughs> it's real, though, and pretty. It's so pretty. <laughs> anyway, I'm not well. Pray for me. So here's the thing. Let me let me lay this on you really quick, and just I just want you to be thinking about this. 
Because as I was reading through this this week, and I read it over and over and over and over, I I remember growing up, and I'm nothing against those people, the nice people, but I grew up in a super strict, independent, fundamental, authorized version only, nothing against you KJV people. Uh, I'm down with that. It's cool. I don't use it, but that's cool if you want to. Um, I just, you know, I remember thinking there are some folks in there, Mrs. West, oh, my goodness, the sweetest most loving lady didn't have two dimes to rub together, but she was there doing her flannel graphs and her. We were doing our little crafts. A woman could do crafts like you can't believe, and and I'm telling you, she taught us the gospel so beautifully, so beautifully. This woman was amazing, and so loving, and so kind to us children. But then I also had uh, people who um, they were in the mean tree and fell out and hit every branch on the way down. I mean, they were not nice people. And they would talk about church, how you're supposed to do church. I'm not going to say who this is. She doesn't have the Internet, so she's probably not listening. But I know somebody that says, hey, music with guitars or strings or drums, God don't like that. He doesn't like it. Mm -mm. He does not like that. He likes hymns with a piano and an organ. That's what God likes. He doesn't like anything but that. Look, I grew up in that kind of church, but that's not an overall indictment of that kind of church because if you if – you, can connect in that, more power to you. I'm, I'm down with that. But I have to tell you something. What stood out to me were two things, the religious Rottweilers, who were all the time, I remember this, I remember this, I swear this is true. I promise I'm going to read some scripture here in a second, but I've got to tell you this. Uh, it was one of the most profound memories I've, I ever have had. There was a lady, air quotes, lady, that came into our church. Uh, now, I was little. I was maybe fifth grade, fifth grade maybe, fourth, fifth grade, maybe a little, maybe right around that time. I don't know what, I don't know what age I was because I can't match that up nowadays after the crash, but all I'm saying is I was little and cute. I'm throwing that in there. I was cute and had way more hair than I even have now. And it was jet black, just really shiny and pretty. I'm just getting that point across. So, so what happens is, is this woman comes in and she was young ish maybe she was in her twenties, maybe late, you know, 18 to 22, 23. And she came into the church, and I'm telling you, there was a vacuum that happened up in that church. You know what the vacuum was? Everybody going, <gasps> they were aghast at this woman coming into church. She came in, her knees were skinned. The reason we could see her knees were skinned because her, her skirt was so short that you could see her knees were skinned. I mean, they were skinned like recently, like maybe she fell in the parking lot and she didn't take the time to wipe it off. I'm going to try to get through this without crying. Her hair was all matted, all bad. She, her, her shoes were just literally scuffed like she just scraped along. She was young, folks. She wasn't decrepit in the sense that you thought, well, this woman's got a mental problem. She just was in need. And she went to the one place where you should be able to go and feel and experience the power and love, comfort and restoration of a holy God. And what did she get? I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I was sitting there being good, because you don't be bad in church next to my mother, because she had a pinch that would literally take skin away. Uh, and so, and you couldn't yell, because if you yelled, you got pinched worse. So what happened was, what had happened was, uh, I saw out of the corner of my eye 
the preacher looks over and his deacons, and you see all this head bobbing and, mm, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they go over to this woman. And they lean over and they to her. And they suppose to put their hands on her. Like they had some, kind of, come on, honey, we'll, we'll, let's, ma'am, let's, let's go head out. And they walked her out. But they didn't walk her out to clean up her knees. They didn't walk her out to give her something to drink or to eat or to sit her down and say, man, you look like you're in need. I want to help you. You came to the right place today. You're going to receive healing. You're going to receive restoration. You're going to be loved and comforted no matter what. In my little mind back then, I thought, oh, praise God, somebody's going to help this dear woman. She's got a bad way to go. Wasn't that big of a church? And all of a sudden, I hear the lady cry. And I said, oh, they've touched her. They've touched her heart. They've touched her soul. They're going to do something for her. They have, a, they have a fund. You know, I remember at this church, they had a little fund called the Deacon's Fund, the Benevolence Fund, right? The Benevolence Fund. That's when you're benevolent to people. And I thought, oh, she's, she's been touched now. They're going to help her out. Maybe they're going to spray some Bactine. And I noticed that I didn't see any women get up. I thought that was strange, you know, because women minister to women, right? And I thought somebody's going to go get some Bactine and spray off her knees and help her out. Do something for her. Do something bless her. Oh, this is this is awesome. I can't wait to hear. I cannot wait to hear the story. Man, brother, finish preaching so I can go hear this amazing power of the blessing of God being poured out through the hands and feet that he calls his church. At the end, I'm telling you, I beat feet so fast. My little pitter-patter feet, I was real super little then. My feet were, whoosh, I was like the lightning. I swear you could hear the whoosh of wind as I was flying back there to the back. And I went into the vestibule area, and I couldn't wait to see this woman there, and they're, they're helping her, and she was gone. But what I did see is the chairman of deacons bragging. about how he ran her off and told her until she can dress appropriately to come into God's house, she should just stay away. He didn't say, hey, you look like this might be the only pair of clothes you have. Let's help you. There's some lady in the church your size. I know this afternoon we could we could have a whole bunch of clothes for you, free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. There's some good cooks. We have a kitchen in this church. We could feed. Are you hungry? Let's feed you. Let's feed you. Hey, you know what? Looks like you've fallen down. Do you have a medical problem we can help you with? We know lots of doctors. You look like you're full of sorrow. Is there something we can help you with? You look like you're lost and hurt and need somebody to lovingly, kindly touch you. But that's not what they did. The chairman of deacons bragging to the other deacons and trustees and anybody else who will listen. I sent her away. I told her until she could dress appropriately, she did not come back here. Back then, we didn't have the Internet. Back in the day, we didn't have no Internet. We just had the paper. And I remember the paper, paper we had then had in the paper about a lady being killed 
out on Route 13. Back then it was Route 13 and it wasn't Route 1. She was struck and she was killed. And they didn't know who she was. And it was that lady. It was that lady. All she needed. She went to the last place you would think you'd be turned away. And do you know how hard it is for some folks to go to churches? Because they know they're going to be hammered by the people there. They know they're going to be looked up and down. Mm-hmm. You know you know what she is. Oh, so-and-so, she's divorced. He's divorced. He's Oh, you, you see, he, he got fired from his job. You know he's homeless. You know he has a drinking problem. People don't want to come because of religious rottweilers. That man, right there, that was born... That idea of the religious rottweiler barking people, supposing to be not in our house. God doesn't like that. I thought then and there, I, if I was bigger, I'm telling you right now, if I was, you know, if that brother would have given me another month of maturity, I would have stood up to him and shaken my fist right in his face and said, Mr., you're a religious Rottweiler, and you stink like a dog, too. And I would have told him, you don't know anything about the love of God, and you don't speak for God. You speak for your own messed-up mind. Then I found out about this woman getting killed, and they had a photograph of the scene. And, and I was thinking to myself, who photographs a dead person? But they photographed her face because they said, do you know this person? And it was her. What would have happened? What would have happened if the men that walked in the back had said, let's help you today. Let's clothe you today. Let's clean you up. Let's feed you. Let's pray with you. There were tricks that people would do. And this in 2 Corinthians, Shaul addresses this. Trickery for the purpose of conversion. People would come in to the church and they need to be fed. They were hungry in the church in Corinth. They need, they need something, and they would tend to convert. But the pressure. Well, you got to convert. You got to become this. You got to believe what we believe, or you're not going to be fed. You're not going to be clothed. You're not going to be helped. We do it right here, right now. Anyway, there's my sermon on that. In the next seven minutes, I'm going to read the entire Second Corinthians. Probably not. Who encourages us in all our trials so that we can encourage others in whatever trials they may be undergoing with the encouragement we, are, we ourselves received from God. What did I just say? Who encourages us in all our trials so that we can encourage others in whatever trials they may be undergoing with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. Mm, mm, mm. For just as the Messiah's sufferings overflow into us, so through the Messiah our encouragement also overflows. So if we undergo trials, it is for your encouragement and deliverance. And if we are encouraged... That should encourage you when you have to endure sufferings like those we are experiencing. Moreover, our hope for you remains staunch because we know that as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in the encouragement. 
For brothers, we want you to know about the trials we have undergone in the province of Asia. The burden laid on us was far beyond what we could bear. That thank you. That that we even despaired of living through it. Folks, have you ever had such a trial that you said, God, just take me? I want to tell you about the Christians in Iraq right now. Do you all know that these women are praying that God will kill them? They're praying that, that the ISIS will kill them so they don't have to live through the hundreds, hundreds of rapes that they endure on a weekly basis. These are Christians, folks, being murdered and raped and burned and beheaded and used as sex slaves because Islam and ISIS, the Islamic State, is doing this. Why? Because they're Christians. Folks, we have folks in our world that are pleading to die so they're suffering will end. Pleading to die so their suffering will end. That's real. That's happening. And we're alive to experience it. How we can allow it, I don't know. As a, as a country, how we can allow another Holocaust to happen. There's Jews fleeing Europe. There's Jews fleeing on my radio show, which is tomorrow, uh, 4, 4 to 5 and 5.30 to 6.30. Um, Tomorrow's going to be a unique message. You're going to hear something unique. The five D's from the big D himself. It's going to be a whole different deal. A whole different show than you've ever heard from me. It'll be radically different. I think you'll like it. But he says here, Shaul says, The burden laid on us was far beyond what we could bear, that we even despaired of living through it. In other words, what he's saying here is we wanted to die so we didn't have to continue suffering as we did. In our hearts, we felt we were under sentence of death. However, this was to get us to rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Folks, that's the God we serve, the God that can take this kind of hurt and, and, and anguish and suffering and torture and turn it into his glory. I love what he says next. He rescued us from such deadly peril, and he will rescue us again. The one in whom we have placed our hope will indeed continue to rescue us, and you must add your help by praying for us. For the more people there are praying, the more people there will be to give thanks when their prayer for us is answered. Power of prayer. Honor it is to speak with God. Can you imagine the opportunity that we have as humans to converse with the Creator? Now you say, Dr. Sean, converse? Like, do you hear God talk back? Ooh, ooh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. A a, a present candidate or a going-to-be candidate for president, conservative guy, Christian guy, when he was asked, I love his response. I love his response. When asked, why are you running for president? He said, you're probably not going to like the answer. He said, lay it on me. He said, because God told me to. 
What? God told you to. God spoke to you and told you to. Yeah, in my prayer time. I've been praying about it. My family's been praying about it. We've been in deep, deep prayer about it. God, is this your mission for me and my family in this time? And he said the answer was a resounding yes. Now, do you think he said that just to garner votes? No. No, that doesn't get you votes. He said it because it was true, and God still speaks to us today. But what do we have to do in order to hear from God? Do we have to do in order to hear the voice of God? We have to listen. We have to listen. If we don't listen, folks, we are absolutely doomed. We have an opportunity through 2 Corinthians to listen and to read and to hear what difference it makes when we're willing to be led. I hope that you'll join us. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.